And now, your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to celebrate some American successes and big successes in countries that aren't on the front line necessarily in uh, Ukraine, uh, Russia. Uh, talking about victories in South Korea, which are very important, where a pro-American candidate won a very close election, but uh, the other guy has conceded graciously, <laughs> which is a positive development for the United States, a very negative development for China, for Russia, and uh, certainly for North Korea. Uh, where the surrender caucus in South Korea seems to have lost a step. There's also news from Turkey, uh, not just the meeting between the foreign ministers of Russia and Ukraine, but uh, also a top-level meeting involving the president, not the prime minister, the president of Israel, and uh, the rekindling of a warm relationship, positive relationship between Turkey and Israel is a very positive development in part influenced by the revelations that everybody can take away from the uh, uh, the ongoings and the front lines of Ukraine. There was a um, member of Congress, believe it or not, and we'll tell you who it is a little bit later, who has attacked uh, a thug in this fight that is going on for the future of humanity, really, which is what the Ukraine war is. Who's the thug? According to this congressman, it's Zelensky. And uh, the congressman is also House of Representatives member condemned uh, Zelensky's government, the Ukrainian government, legally elected, and a landslide, by the way, condemned that government as incredibly evil. It is unbelievable to me that any Putin sympathizer could continue to hold office in the United States of America, but we will get to that. Speaking of holding office, uh, Kamala Harris uh, in Poland mostly stayed on script, but not entirely. Uh, we will get to that. We will also go to a Biden decision to provide $6.2 billion in the midst of all of this in student loan relief. Is that a positive idea? And then a series of crimes in uh, New York blamed on anti-Asian bigotry and prejudice and hate crimes, but actually they are representative of another deeper problem, particularly when combating crime and the deterioration of urban life in America. We will get to that as well. And we'll be talking about social justice comes to the lingerie market. Uh, that's right, reconsidering the position among big corporations of uh, Victoria's Secret. Uh, and speaking of big corporations, Burger King just followed the example of McDonald's and is pulling out of Russia. And Goldman Sachs is pulling out of Russia, cracking down. There have now been 100 major U.S. corporations among the Fortune 500 who have canceled their operations in Russia. And uh, what does this mean? How does this work?
Uh, we'll be talking to former presidential aide to President Clinton, Lanny Davis, uh, coming up on this edition of The Michael Medved Show. Um, okay, first of all, Kamala Harris uh, held a press conference in in Poland where she was meeting with President Duda, and, and I actually watched the whole thing, and most of it, when she was going off script, was um, uh, judging, grading on a curve compared to other events in which she's participated. It was pretty good. It was very solid. The, the one thing that was most important was affirming that the United States is going to draw a line with its fellow NATO partners, that we will not tolerate any variation from Article 5 of the NATO Charter, which provides mutual defense, that the United States will consider it an attack on the United States if there is any attack on Poland or Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, any of our NATO partners that have been established there. But uh, when she was talking a little bit about the atrocities that have been committed most recently, and of course the administration needs to talk about this because anyone can understand. Someone can pretend that this is just normal life. But when you were exploding a bomb in a maternity hospital and uh, pregnant women who in some cases are in, in the course of delivery are, are forced to run for their lives from the destruction on a hospital, it's a it's an extraordinarily evil representation of what this war is about on the uh, article um, on the part of Vlad the Mad. Um, but uh, this is the way that uh, Kamala Harris presented the uh, atrocities at her press conference in Warsaw today. Uh, clip six. The UN has set up a process by which. There will be a review and investigations, and we will, of course, participate as appropriate and necessary. But we all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet, based on what we've just been able to see. And because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but just limited to what we have seen. Uh-huh. And I understand what she's trying to say, and there is a great deal that we have seen, but I'm sure the U.S. government, which has to be monitoring the situation in Ukraine closer at first hand, must know even more. Uh, Vice President Harris representing the United States in, uh, in Europe in a crucial negotiations about those MiGs, negotiations that have been pretty messed up by the Biden administration, but she does say there needs to be further investigations. And of course, she's right. This is clip seven. Pregnant women going for health care? Being injured by, I don't know, a missile, a bomb? In an unprovoked, unjustified war? Where a power for a country is trying to take over? Another country violate its sovereignty, its territorial integrity, for the sake of what? Nothing that is justified or provoked? Absolutely.
Absolutely there should be an investigation. And we should all be watching. And I have no question the eyes of the world are on this war and what Russia has done in terms of this aggression and these atrocities. I have no doubt. Okay, and uh, finally, there was a little bit of an awkward laugh when she began talking about the refugee crisis, clip 14. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I can first. Okay, so this time. Uh, Here's the uh, redactor, uh, president Madam, of Poland. Madam, the situation is very complex. Uh, yes, the situation is very complex. We'll try to make it a more clear-cut as we go along. And we'll also be speaking coming up uh, to Adam Smith, who is the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, a, a pro-defense Democrat. And uh, everybody has to be pro-defense now. It's so obvious we need enhanced spending on our protection. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show one of the things that uh, we have been sort of joking about behind the scenes and there's very little that is worth joking about concerning the horrors of this war and with uh, going on two million refugees and by the way to answer that question that uh, Vice President Harris uh, didn't answer in the clip we just heard yes the United States is providing uh, a great deal of money I believe it's about $2 billion that we're authorizing to Poland to help uh, Poland and has settle some of these Ukrainian refugees. And uh, there are over one and a half million refugees into Poland alone, plus additional refugees going to Romania. Uh, to Hungary, to the Czech Republic, uh, to uh, Germany, to Israel, and um, many other places around the world that aren't that nightmare nation right now of Russia, the Russian Federation. One of the things that I mentioned that we, we do joke about is they must have in Russia either unofficially or officially a minister of propaganda because they have to get their message out there. Whoever that is should should probably <laughs> lose his job because when you talk about everything you could do to alienate humanity, uh, I think that bombing a maternity hospital would be would be pretty high on the list. And there's been no explanation of it, really. I mean, 
certainly no defense of it. How do you defend it? And there's something else. They have tanks, obviously. There are a bunch of the tanks that, with the help of Javelin missiles and their own courage and ingenuity, the Ukrainian freedom fighters have uh, been able to take out in Russia. But there are a bunch of other tanks, and you can see them on video, uh, where they're flying not the Russian flag, uh, but the old communist flag of the Soviet Union, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Now, this is a completely bizarre, because if you're trying to make the case that, no, this is not an imperialist war, uh, Russia uh, had, to, had to go to war to protect its own borders from the aggression of uh, Ukraine, or the evil neo-Nazi government, uh, with, which has, by the way, not just a, a Jewish president, it has a Jewish defense minister, too. Uh, they're not Nazis. And uh, the, uh, the idea that uh, they are now flying the old Soviet Union flag, what that goes to is obviously what has Putin gone to war for? It's to, quote, make Russia great again. You'll pardon me. But the the idea that uh, Russia gave up uh, 15 of the so Soviet socialist republics uh, when the Soviet Union broke apart. And the reason for that was every one of those republics, including Ukraine, had overwhelming majorities of people who didn't want to be part of the failed old collapsing Soviet Union. And uh, all of them, except for Belarus, have established some distance from what's left of Russia. And to uh, be flying Soviet flags on the uh, way to trying to conquer Ukraine, uh, Ukrainians have historic memory, and, and they do. And Kiev is filled with statues from the Ukrainian past. but. Uh, certainly everyone in Ukraine can remember that these are the same Russians, this is the same flag uh, which deliberately starved to death at least 7 million people in what has been called the Ukrainian Holocaust, the Holodomor. And that killed Ukrainians of every ethnicity and every background, including Russian speakers who were then living in Ukraine. I mean, the entire... The entire insanity of flying that flag on your tanks as you're rolling in to try to conquer the country, what are they going to do with it if they occupy Kiev? And this is one of the things that uh, a, a number of people have pointed out, including President Zelensky. They are not giving up. And the number of troops and resources that Russia would have to bring in if, God forbid, there is some puppet government set up there... There will be resistance. There will be an ongoing insurgency against them. So how do you defend this, uh, this idea of flags flying on Russian tanks? I was looking around and sort of stumbling around as I do, because I'm not an expert. I'm not great at handling the Internet. However, this morning, very early, the first thing I saw was a an English-language Indian... Indian as in uh, uh, the nation of India, uh, English-speaking news channel, which is called Republic Media Network. Uh, beware, 
Republican media network is pro-Putin. And I thought I was watching originally Russia Today, except for the Indian accents. It featured a retired major general who uh, gave the following defense of the indefensible Russian invasion, just uh, the way that uh, a, a propagandist would. Uh, clip 27, listen. As a defense analyst, how I look at it is that Putin never ever wanted to invade, so to say, Ukraine. He never wanted to attack. All he wanted was that Ukraine should not enter the NATO. And he did not want anything new. We just heard the clips of Director Burns and whatever we've been seeing on the television is basically the Western media propaganda and whatever the Western media is saying. What is happening from the Russian side is very little that is coming out in the public domain. And, and what information we have is that on the eastern side in the DPR and LPR area, the neo-Nazis, the Ukrainians, are playing hell into the Donetsk people and the civilians of Lohansk, where hundreds are dying. They're, they're attacking, they're massacring those people. All that is not coming into the news. And all of that is not true. There is no news agency other than Russia Today and Sputnik and Pravda that is reporting that there are massacres going on right now in Lugansk and Donetsk. For one thing, that those are the areas where, if there are massacres, they're being perpetrated by the Russian troops. And the idea that this would be um, broadcast in India, this explains why it is that India is one of the major countries that has been least willing to condemn the profound Russian evil. Look, this is one of those things where if there is one lasting positive in, uh, in, in this entire tragedy, this entire catastrophe of the invasion of Ukraine, it's been to delineate good guys and bad guys pretty dramatically. And good guys are people in the United States who favor a stronger American defense. Uh, they include Congressman Adam Smith, who uh, has joined us before. He's a Democrat. He's the chair of the Armed Services Committee. What's the future bring? We'll talk to him coming up. Medved Show, I am always honored uh, to welcome one of the senior members of the House of Representatives who is a chair of the all-important House Armed Services Committee. He represents the state of Washington. He is a Democrat. Uh, I think it's fair to say he is a pro-defense Democrat, which is very important right now. Adam Smith. Uh, Adam, I, I understand you have just been uh, traveling abroad. Where were you exactly? I was in Poland and Estonia, and then I was in Munich for the Munich Security Conference and then stopped in London on the way back uh, with you know very much the focus on Russia and what was going on in Ukraine. I got back just before the, the like literally the day before the invasion started. Well, I, and with that perspective, isn't it amazing, and it has impacted the United States House of Representatives, has it not, the idea of coming together and people unifying across political lines uh, 
uh, to defend decency against this Russian tyrant and the invasion he ordered. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, so many pieces to the story. The biggest piece just being the human catastrophe that Putin is you know, you know, just throwing down on the people in Ukraine. I was in Ukraine last August, and it's you know, it's a great country. I mean, it's a democracy. It's you know, its economy is moving forward. They've got a people who are trying to move forward in the right direction. And what Putin is doing is just a brutal atrocity. The other two big things: one, you know, it's it's sort of the end of the post Cold War era. I mean, I think we all hope that after the end of the Cold War, a community of nations would come together and resolve our differences peacefully in a rules based international order. Well, Putin and to some degree Xi at the same time in China, but Putin has clearly and unequivocally smashed that. But the other big piece here is the, the, the nations that are in favor of that more peaceful globe have come together now like never before. I mean, think of the things that we were bickering about before this happened uh, between Germany and us, between Germany and France and the U.K., southern European states and East. Well, the, the, we are united now, um, and we have a big task ahead of us. And concerning something where your committee is going to be crucial and your leadership is going to be crucial, there is a growing consensus uh, in the Congress, is there not, that we need to provide a better funding and better support for armed services? Absolutely. And as you mentioned in your previous question, there's bipartisan support on this. Um, there's an understanding of the threat, and we've really come together on that. We passed a significant uh, aid package for Ukraine yesterday, about $11 billion, um, to pass on a bipartisan basis in the House. The Senate's going to take it up shortly. But yes, without question. And look, I mean, the biggest thing when I was in Poland and Estonia, and I've been in Lithuania um, and Romania and Ukraine before that, Eastern Europe is the best advertisement you could have for economic and political freedom. Uh, look at what they were under the Soviet Union, either as a Soviet Socialist Republic or as part of the Warsaw Pact, um, and look what they are now. You know, they, they, they have freedom, they have strong economies, they have strong democracies, um, and they want us to protect them. Uh, they're part of NATO, and Putin has made it clear that we are going to have to step up our efforts if we are going to deter further aggression by Putin and Russia. And yes, there is strong bipartisan support for that without question. The um, uh, ban on oil, which uh, I believe the Congress is voting for even after the uh, decision made by the Biden administration, you believe yeah. that is the right thing to do and will have an impact? I do. I mean, look, the, the bottom line, essentially, I was just reading an article before I came on here about, you know, McDonald's, amongst others, have pulled out of Russia. Burger King today. Yeah, no, it bookends from when McDonald's got into Russia in 1990 um, and how it was a symbol of, you know, Gorbachev wanting to pull them into the rest of the world. Well, Putin has decided to pull them back, and I think we have to make him pay that price. Um, and that means the strongest economic sanctions. Professor, you, you cannot be part of the club in the world if you do something like this. And I think we need to use all of our economic might available. I also think we need to put pressure on China. Because um, China's, you know, kind of trying to have it both ways, acting like they're appalled by what's happening in Ukraine, at the same time supporting Russia, um, supporting their propaganda in some instances, and certainly supporting them economically. Um, and make no mistake about it, you know, China also wants to smash um, that that consensus of a more peaceful, rules-based society. Knock on wood, thus far, not in the same aggressive military way that Putin has. But in a way that threatens it nonetheless.
Should we be able to find a way uh, to get those Polish uh, MiGs that uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine wants? Should we be able to get that those aircraft to the Ukrainian government? I don't think that's the most crucial issue um, in that you know, it's just a few fighter jets. Um, you know, they have to be able to have a place to take off and land. You have to do the maintenance. What's really helping Ukraine right now, or well, the biggest thing that's helping them is their their, their spirit, their will, uh, their unwillingness to be conquered and their willingness to fight. But it's the anti-tank, anti-aircraft weapons that have been provided to them by, by us and countless other countries as well. Um, you know, but in many cases, those are shoulder-operated, you know, easily movable, don't have to have an airport, don't have to have a lot of maintenance. And we saw this video, actually, that I think has been circulating now of an attack on a Russian tank column with those types of weapons that has been incredibly effective. Jet fighters are a more complicated weapon, and Russia still has air defense systems at their disposal. So the benefit of them to the fight is limited, and the risk is great. And if we are having you know, fighter jets take off from NATO countries and bombing Russians, that gets us close to the line. And look, my position, I want to help Ukraine in every way we possibly can without directly going to war with Russia. Because if we directly go to war with Russia, uh, the suffering and the pain expands exponentially and unpredictably to a lot of other places. And that's the balance we're trying to strike. So within that, you know, I, the fighter jets are not crucial. If there's a way we can get them to them, I'm in favor of doing it. I certainly think we should continue to pursue it. Uh, but I think those other weapons right now are more important to the fight. Uh, your esteemed colleague, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, would like to see the government shut down our government. Uh, in order to unseat Nancy Pelosi as a speaker. I assume you don't favor the U.S. government shutting down at this particular point in history? I don't. And I think, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene represents an extreme fringe of the Republican Party that I hope Republicans will want to expunge as much as anybody else. This Republican um, certainly but, does. Yeah. And, and believe me, I know we have extremes on our side as well. But there's a consensus in the middle here, and Marjorie Taylor Greene is not part of it. Um, she doesn't want to, you know, support what we're talking about. She wants to tear down the government. I mean, keep in mind, this was the one who was talking about Jewish space lasers starting the fires in California. Um, she's not operating on the same plane of reality as the rest of us, and we should not follow her lead on just about anything. I, I very much appreciate it. What is the uh, most important uh, item of priority in building up our defenses, uh, Navy or Air Force or ground force uh, resources? Well, the easiest way, I've come to sum it up in two words, information and survivability. The most important thing is in developing better information systems so that all of our systems can communicate with each other in real time and in a way that makes sure that the person who needs to see what they need to see sees it immediately and that we can protect those systems. That's the biggest way that China is currently making us vulnerable. They have cyber capabilities. They have anti-satellite capability that can shut everything down. So we need to protect that better use new technologies like AI and machine learning in order to make those systems work better. Um, and then we got to have survivable platforms. You know, we have a lot of big platforms that couldn't necessarily survive in a contested environment. And that's okay if we have ways to protect them, if we have missile defense, if we can shut down, uh, use our own cyber capabilities to shut down the information systems of an adversary. So information and survivability, and that's across services. Um, that's Air Force, that's Navy, that's Army, that's the Space Force. I mean, protecting our satellites is probably as important as any, you know, ship, tank, or plane that we're going to build. 
fabulous insights. And uh, Congressman Smith, Adam Smith of uh, the state of Washington, continue your great work for our country and uh, always appreciate your perspective. We will be right back with a very different perspective coming up on the Michael Medved Show. Some very novel news, the news of Nancy Pelosi actually making a proper decision, and she's being ripped by the left, just ripped by the left. Uh, she decided it was more important to get emergency aid to our allies and to the heroic forces who are fighting for decency and justice and freedom in the Ukraine to get that support secured and on the way and helping the Ukrainian freedom fighters. Uh, that was more important than uh, adding on new COVID relief money here in the United States when they haven't even given a full accounting for the COVID relief money that's already spent. And all of this has to be done uh, because there was a threat of the government shutting down tomorrow that has been avoided and uh, good for speaker pelosi in uh, at taking being willing to take tough commentary from ilhan omar and rashida talib and uh, alexandria ocasio-cortez and their like but being willing to take that uh, kind of criticism in order to make a sensible deal but somebody who does not want to be any part of that because uh, she believes that the government really should shut down at this time of emergency. That is a congresswoman from Georgia, the gentle lady Marjorie Taylor Greene, who had this to say. It's clip 15. Other votes we have today is the, the oil ban for Russia. Uh, we have a temporary um, uh, spending bill that keeps the government's lights on till Tuesday. I don't think the government deserves to keep its lights on. I think the government should be shut down, especially when they're sneaking bills through in the middle of the night. This is completely wrong. Nancy Pelosi should be completely unseated as Speaker of the House. Who can honestly tolerate this type of treatment? And she works for the American people and the American tax dollars. So I'm completely disgusted and appalled, and I wanted you to know. I want everyone to know this is this is the thing. These are the things that happen here, and um, I'm upset. I'm angry, and I'm angry on behalf of all of you. And and I hope you're angry too because this place is broken. I mean, they're literally sneaking through massive spending bills with awful things in them in the middle of the night. Okay, please hit share and let everyone know exactly what they're doing. Okay, um, and what they're doing in supporting Ukraine, she's also expressed doubts about that. She's uh, basically defended Putin uh, as much as any member of Congress has or any American politician. But speaking of defending Putin, uh, who do you think uh, is more of a thug? Uh, the two Vladimirs. Volodymyr uh, Zelensky, is he a thug 
or is the thug Vladimir Putin? Uh, a unique response on that from another colleague uh, of Marjorie Taylor Greene, U.S. Representative Madison Cawthorn, who is a Republican from North Carolina, who, uh, honest to God, is is a frankly a disgrace to the Republican Party and uh, to the House of Representatives. Here is what he had to say about the nature of the Ukrainian resistance to Putin's uh, aggression. Uh, clip 55. So they can defend themselves better, but remember that Zelensky is a thug. Remember that the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and it is incredibly evil and it has been pushing woke ideologies and it really does the new woke world. Okay, the incredibly, the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and incredibly evil and has been pushing woke ideologies. Is that what this fight is about? Uh, the idea that Madison Cawthorn, and this, by the way, does not reflect a substantial portion of Republican opinion. There is a powerful piece by Carl Rove today citing a great deal of polling data. I won't bury you in polling data. But 80% uh, of Republicans think we should care about uh, Ukraine and about this fight for freedom. And in fact, there is no real difference on this between Republicans and Democrats in the polling. The number of people who believe we should uh, have nothing to do with stopping the atrocities, stopping the hellish kind of situation where where literally they've had two million people who have fled their homes and sometimes get fired at while they're trying to flee. It makes no sense at all. Uh, President Trump has been fairly quiet on this. He was doing a uh, an interview with a podcast yesterday, and this is yesterday, and the former president of the United States was asked a I think a very pertinent question, which is what happens next in Ukraine? And what is the result of the current tensions going to be for Ukraine? He gave an extraordinarily original answer. Listen. What do you see happening next then? Because it seems like the tensions are high. What? How does this all end? Is this going to be like a long-term thing? How do you see it unfolding? Well, I, and I said this a long time ago, if this happens, uh, we are... Uh, playing right into their hands, the green energy, the windmills, they don't work, they're too expensive, they kill all the birds, they ruin your landscapes, and yet the environmentalists love the windmills. And I've been preaching this for years, the windmills, and I had them way down, but the windmills are the most expensive energy you can have, uh, and they don't work. And by the way, they last a period of 10 years, and by the time they start rusting and rotting all over the place, nobody ever takes them down. They just go onto the next piece of prairie or land and destroy that. It's incredible that they want, but other forms of uh, green energy, they don't have the power to power our factories. They're extremely expensive. And I preached loud and clear to Angela Merkel, you are making a tremendous deal by making this deal with Russia, with Nord Stream 2. And until I came along, nobody knew what Nord Stream 2 was, and you guys know that. I was telling her loud and clear and publicly. And in fact, I sent her something as a little gift. It was a white flag. It was a flag of surrender. She said, but what is this? I said, that's a flag of surrender. So that when Russia uh, 
gets hostile, which they have. I mean, if you look at a history of a couple of hundred years with Germany and Russia, has not been exactly pretty, whether it's World War I, World War II. Take a look at what, what's gone on. I sent her the white flag of surrender because she said it was 45 percent. I said it's 75 or 80 percent of their energy, and I told her that. Okay. Um, if someone can translate this uh, as to how this answers the question of what happens next, and I, I guess he's suggesting that we should make common cause in uh, a war against windmills. Remember Don Quixote? He, he also had a problem with windmills. By the way, wind energy, I believe President Trump is right in that. It is a, a not a solution to anybody's energy problems, uh, and certainly not long-term. Uh, meanwhile, President Biden, uh, yesterday it was announced that he is going to cancel $6.2 billion of student loans. I uh, decried that the moment I read it. But then when you read in more detail, it's at least a little bit more comprehensible. But basically, there has been for years a a part of the federal student loan program where if you are engaged in a public service profession, then you get to have some of your loans canceled. If you're uh, working as a teacher, for instance, or a government employee. And and by the way, I don't think that's a terrible idea, but they ought to f do the military first, as they tend to. If you uh, and, uh, sign up for ROTC, for instance, you can, uh, with certain conditions, if you're committed to serving your country in the military after your graduation, uh, your tuition gets paid for which is a great way to get future officers and leaders in our armed services. It happens with a lot of people in a medical field. But the idea of taking anybody who is a bureaucrat somewhere and saying you're eventually going to get your loans forgiven while other people have paid their loans, this is actually paying off uh, this $6.2 billion in, quote, relief is supposed to be paying off people who already had applied for it and had thought they deserved it because of their public service. It does seem to me that at a time when defense considerations and security considerations and crime rate considerations are so crucial that emphasizing giving back money on student loans from which people are presumably already benefiting, that seems to be a lower priority in this greatest nation on God's green earth.